Yeah, that was either cheesy or we're going to use it later. I don't know. Uh, so the last couple of weeks we've been talking about uh, ships. And uh, two weeks ago we talked about ownership. And last week we talked about relationship. And this week, uh, cleverly, we have uh, named the talk for today, uh, Get Yourself on the Ship and Bring All Your Friends. I'm a wordsmith, so it took a while to get it. Or, or maybe we'll just call it Roll Call. Now, you learned last week in relationships that Adam and Eve were uh, the beginning of something, and they kind of messed things up, as we all did a little bit, huh? Right? And so Adam and Eve represent Christ and the church. Just humanity itself is a foreshadowing, marriage itself is a foreshadowing of the relationship between Christ and the church. And so Adam and Eve were told to be fruitful and multiply. So as Adam represents Christ, the church, us, we represent who? Eve, the the bride of Christ, the church. And we are told from the very beginning to be fruitful and multiply. And it's fitting that multiplication comes from the bride. I know, <laughs> I know the groom has something to do with it, but most of that burden falls on the bride. Thank God. I mean, thank you, baby. I mean, you get what I'm saying? It looks bad. But most of that burden for reproduction falls on the bride. And, and Christ called us, be fruitful and multiply. I want to take you into how this works for the church. Now, let's give a little introduction here. And, and all the scripture that we're talking about will be on, on these side screens. So if you came today and you're not a Bible scholar, that's okay. If you came today and you're perfect, you're a liar, therefore you're not, okay? So uh, all, all the scriptures there, if you don't have a Bible, in fact, as you, as you exit today, we would love to give you one. Please don't think, oh, I don't want to be a burden to anybody. That is not a burden. That is our joy uh, to give you a Bible. It really is. So uh, all we ask is that you read it if you take it. Please take one. Uh, but all the scriptures on the screen, the Bible's in two sections. There's the Old Testament, which tells the story of God creating the world, choosing a people, and promising that one day through this people, a Messiah will come to save the world. And the New Testament is when that Messiah, Jesus, came to save the world. Now, the New Testament is 27 books, because your Bible is a library of 66 books. The first 39 are the Old Testament, and three times nine is? Well, I got the right crowd. This is my people. Y'all are like, ah. Three times nine is 27. So there's 27 uh, books in the New Testament, and that is the story of, of Jesus. That is the story of the church. Now you have um, eyewitness accounts or firsthand surveys of the life of Jesus in the first four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four in the New Testament. They tell the story of Jesus. Now, these are written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus never actually wrote with his own hand any of the words that are in your Bible, and that's really important. We'll talk about that on a different date, I'm sure. But he left all of his ministry for others to do 
for others to tell. And they did. We have that written down. Now it's closed. There's no more scripture that will be read. Okay. In fact, in Revelation, when you get to the end, it says, if anybody adds to or takes away from this book, let all the plagues of this book be added to him. So I ain't, I ain't, no, I'm done. I ain't writing that because I've read about some of those plagues and uh, it looked worse than childbirth. And that's a 10 on my level. That looked bad. Now, Jesus gathers together his apostles. And so when we read, we have a roll call, right? And it's like, my name is Matthew, used to do taxes. Who's Matthew? Uh, this is one of the guys from the Bible. And so we kind of know who's in the boat. We know some of the players who are in the boat, right? And so this, this is interesting. <laughs> this is interesting, okay, it, who's in the boat. Because we know, we know some of the people who are in the boat. I mean, they're the, they're the big dogs. They're the ones who got to write Scripture. They're the ones who were really important. They're the ones who Jesus used to change the world. I want to take you into a few passages that you may have forgotten. Because after Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, you have the book of Acts. Now, uh, Luke wrote the book of Luke, but then he also wrote the book of Acts, and he is a first-rate historian. There's actually a really famous book by a man who was trying to disprove uh, the gospel, the, the, the Bible, actually, by just going through Acts, because it lists so many dates, so many times, so many people, and he was like, it'll be easy to find holes. When he got to the end of Acts, he became a Christian. Luke is a first-rate historian. He tells this great story. If you've never read Acts, you're welcome. That's your new favorite book. Even if you're not a Christian, the narrative, and if you're not, we love you, by the way. Uh, the narrative there, just the story, is, is an incredible. And we're still digging up things today that we've never even heard of, except for in the book of Acts. People have tried to discredit it. Well, that never happened because we didn't dig that. Clink, oh, <laughs> how'd they know about that? They were there. I want to take you into the books of, book of Acts, and let's talk about who's in the boat, because we want to get the appropriate ro roll call. We want to see who was the most important person in Acts. All right, now, we've already got the apostles in the boat, okay? John, Judas, There's, there were two Judases. Bartholomew. Never heard of him, did you? He's in the boat. We've got the 12 in the boat. Let's see what happens. Acts chapter 6, verse 1 through 7. Scripture's on the screen. Follow along with me. In those days, as the disciples were increasing in number, there arose a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews against the Hebraic Jews that their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution. The 12 summoned the whole company of the disciples the twelve summoned the whole company. I thought the twelve were the disciples. The twelve summoned the whole company of the disciples and said, it would not be right for us to give up preaching the word of God to wait on tables. Okay, so there's this, there's this conflict because uh, all, the, all the, the Jews are coming together and so Christians start taking care of people, start feeding people, start being engaged with the city, Woodbridge Church. This is what we're supposed to do. It's what we've been since the, the, since the church began. And, and it says that they summoned the twelve. No, the twelve summoned the disciples. Man, there's apparently, we, we don't know. 
But we know at some point Jesus sent out 72 two by two. we, We don't know. We don't know how many disciples there are. But I want to introduce you to one. And let's say maybe this is going to be the most important person in your life that you've never heard of. Brothers and sisters, I'm in verse 3. Select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of spirit and wisdom, whom we can appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. So we're going to have waiters, and we're going to give some people that job. But we're going to keep preaching. Because the preachers are the most important person in the room, right? Some of y'all gave me the stank eye when you said that. You're like, no. I already know that. I'm making a point. Okay, hold on. The proposal pleased the whole company, so they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, baby names right here if anybody's paying attention. Oh, Nicanor. Timon, Pumbaa, I mean, uh, Parmenius, Nicolas, Nicolosh, Nicola, St. Nicolas, Nicola. That guy, a convert from Antioch, they had them stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. What do you mean so? So we got some guys to wait tables for the widows who couldn't take care of themselves. And now we're taking care of all the widows, not just a couple. And so that's really good because they're getting to eat. And that's good because now they can go and preach, right? The important people can go and preach. But, but then we have this weird verse 7, so the word of God spread. Wait, what do you mean? Because it sounds like it means because we're taking care of the widows now, the word of God spread. Isn't it because of the awesome preachers? I mean, really, it was like, listen, we've got to work on our fog machines for service. So if you guys could take care of this, we'd have, we'd have time to do more stuff. Or are we talking about Stephen? Is it because of Stephen? Now, hang on. So the word of God spread. The disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number, and a large group of priests became obedient to the faith. Preachers are getting saved? Wow! What a revival! Now, I'm going to tell you, it's not that they didn't think that the widow thing was important. Don't, Don't project your own feelings into the passage. We can't read that into this. They thought that it was definitely important because at this point in time, there weren't professional ministers. There were just people following Jesus. You thought that there was just 12, but there, there, meet Timon. You didn't know about Timon, did you? You didn't even know about Bartholomew. Sorry, Bartholomew. And his girlfriend, I don't know. You didn't know about them. You didn't know about the women being the first ones to come to the tomb. We don't credit them. No, it's just the 12 disciples because ministry is for professionals, right? And see what happens. Verse 8. Now Stephen. Stephen, what what was Stephen's job? He was doing what? He was waiting tables. He was feeding widows. Now Stephen, full of grace and power, was performing great and wondrous signs among the people. What? That's just for TV evangelists. Not waiters. Opposition arose, however, from some members of the uh, Freedmen's Synagogue, 
composed of both Cyrenians and Alexandrians and some from uh, Sicilia and Asia, and they began to argue with Stephen, but they were unable to stand up against his wisdom and the spirit by whom he was speaking. Isn't that your greatest fear? If I said, hey guys, uh, what keeps you from sharing your faith? Most of the time, the answer I get is, I'm afraid somebody's going to ask me a question that I don't know the answer to. Stephen was afraid because he had the power of God in him. Because this was new and he didn't know how to play church. He just knew that he was given a task and that was going to be his platform from which he preached. If somebody's taking care of your mama, you care about what they have to say. If somebody is a curse to your family, I don't care what you have to say. Stephen got a platform, and he had a platform that nobody else had, and it's going to cause something to happen that had never happened before. And they're unable to stand up against his wisdom. Why? Because he is a follower, and he has the Spirit of God in him. Church, do not be afraid if you have the Spirit of God in you. Stephen is making a scene. Now, I'm going to skip a few things. I've got to tell you what happened because it's going to take a while to read it, but you need to read it. Stephen makes such a ruckus. That the, the large and in charge, the whole Sanhedrin, all these groups, they have to come against him. And for the first time, outside of Jesus, there is a Christian. Christian wasn't a term yet. There was a follower of the way. They called it the way. There was a follower named Stephen that was waiting tables and he made such a ruckus that they had to murder him. And Stephen is the first martyr. Martyr being someone who dies for their faith in the Bible. This is the first martyr. The first person that was so influential, so powerful, causing such a stir that they couldn't just silence him. They had to kill him. Church. If they don't see you as enough threat, you're not doing your job. If Satan didn't attack you this week, you weren't excited for Sunday. It took an army of volunteers to move the Woodbridge Church meeting from the Graham Building to the Ranger College Auditorium. And I called, I texted, I said, get ready, buckle up. Because Satan been large and in charge on Ranger College for a long time. Look around at what is happening. He is not going to like it. You better buckle up. He's going to try to discredit, disqualify, and trip you up. And I got text messages. Pastor, you didn't say it was going to be like this. I thought maybe somebody was just going to say something tacky. If you are a threat, they're coming. Now, they came for Stephen, and he knew, he knew it was the end. They're sitting there with their rocks, and being stoned to death, literally bash your brains out, mob justice with rocks, murder him by throwing rocks at his head, at his body. It's an extremely painful death. So Stephen got one last one in. And he preached a sermon, oh my gosh, you should read it. And it made so much sense that you just read it and go, whoo yeah, you can't argue with that. And it made them so mad they were livid. And they stoned him to death. He's the first one that was so influential this had to happen. Now I'm going to skip to Acts chapter 8, verse 1 through 3. 
Saul agreed with putting him to death. Ooh, Saul, that's later the guy who's going to be called Paul. He's going to write 13, maybe 14. We don't know who wrote Hebrews. Uh, He's going to write at least 13 books of the Bible later. But for now, he's killing Christians. Saul agreed with putting him uh, to death. On that day, a severe persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered. We have no idea how many are here. But Stephen's dead, and then we've just got, we just got people running, just going. We still, got, we, we still got Bartholomew, he's still here, okay? The apostles are still here, the apostles are still in the boat, but everyone else is spread out. Devout men buried Stephen and mourned deeply over him. Saul, however, was ravaging the church. He would enter house after house, drag off men and women, and put them in prison. Dun, dun, dun. God, how could you do it? You said to get in the boat and you would make us fishers of men and we got here and our friends are dying. We're spread out. I don't know anybody. I feel all alone. We're just 12 of us now. We're being hunted. We're being hunted like game. God, you've made a mistake. How could this happen? And so they got cast out and they went to places like prison. And they went to other lands and they had to go to places where Gentiles were. Gentiles are unclean and nasty. Who went? We have no idea. We have no idea who went. But what we know is they took the gospel with them everywhere they went. Now what was, Adam's, what, what, what was Adam and Eve? What, what happened? They were told be fruitful and multiply. Well they were multiplying all right. But they were multiplying in Jerusalem alone. And God said to the ends of the earth. And so he spread the gospel in what seemed like a crushing blow. Chapter 8, verse 4 through 8. So those who were scattered went on their way preaching the word. Mm. They didn't run. They didn't count their lives as more precious than the gospel of Jesus. They spread it everywhere they went. Verse 5, Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah to them. Who's Philip? Remember that name from earlier? One of the waiters with Stephen. Can you imagine that? We used to serve the poor in the city every day and they murdered my friend. You will give your life to people. You will give your life to places. And not only will they not be grateful, they will murder you, so to speak. Maybe even possibly literally all over the world Christians are killed in the thousands every year just for their faith. They do not count their lives as more important than the gospel. But Philip, Philip goes down. He's over here somewhere. Let's use you, Philip. I like, no, avocado. It's got to be. So now we have Philip. Philip went down 
to a city in Samaria and proclaim the Messiah to them. That doesn't mean anything to you, but Jews hated Samaritans. The crowds were all paying attention to what Philip said as they listened and saw signs he was performing. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. And so the people went to places like prison, went to places like Samaria, and they didn't go looking for who was the most influential. They went looking for who was ready. Did God find anybody in a place where maybe wasn't your proudest place, but you were ready? You have brothers and sisters all over there. In fact, I've got some help. Can my help come out? Can my help come out today? That's your cue. Stuffed animals. In three, two, three and a half. Oh, baskets are heavy. Baskets are heavy. All right. So Philip goes out. The people go out. And they start bringing people into the boat. Because Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He didn't say, follow me and I'll make you comfortable. He said, follow you and I'll make you fishers of men. Which fish do you catch when you go out? You catch the ones you want or do you catch the ones who are biting? You know what I'm saying? Thank you, ladies. And so now the boat is full. And they will continue to go through persecution. And some will go to prison. And some will go to Ranger. And some will go to Eastland. And some will go to Cisco. And some will go to India. And some will go to Africa. And they will continue to bring in and bring in and say, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. And it will begin to spread. But somewhere along the way, we get intimidated by the persecution. See, when Stephen was about to be martyred, here's a part I didn't tell you. He smiled and his face, the Bible said, looked like the face of an angel. And he saw the gates of heaven opened as rocks flew at his head. Don't fear persecution. Fear your neighbor Spend an eternity without Jesus. Dusty and I talked about this, and we decided it would be unethical. But I wanted to bring a bowl full of goldfish. Well, I, want is a strong word. Okay. And if I took all the fish out of this bowl and threw them out on the stage, threw them out into the audience, what would immediately begin to happen to these fish? They would begin to die. Unless what? Unless somebody picks them up and brings that fish back and puts it in the water. Now, for that fish, who's the most important person in this room? The one who picks up that fish and takes him back to the water is the most important person in that room. And so we say, who's the most important person? Well, that's a loaded question, preacher, because God's the most important. God is not a person. He's not a human. Quit projecting that on him. God has always said that he is going to do his work through man. From the beginning, Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. It's talking to the church, be fruitful and multiply. You are the most important 
person. Whoever brought this dude in is the most important person. Somebody invited you here today. Maybe you came out of a mailer. You said, you know what, I just saw this and I thought I will go. But somebody shared their faith with you. Maybe it was your grandmother somewhere else. And she shared her faith. And then you got it and you remember what grandma said. Most important person in this room for you today is not even in this room. It's your grandma. Some of you came from somebody who invited you. It wasn't me. It wasn't Dusty. And you're like, I don't know. I guess the preacher is the most important person in this room. You wouldn't be here today without the most important person in the room. And you are the most important person in the room for somebody. God is using his people to fill the boat, and you are those people. It's not the old adage, 80% of the people do 20% of the work, and 20% of the people do 80% of the work. No, you have a job to reach your neighbor. You have a job to reach your family, and if you don't, no one will. Forget the man-made sayings. God has commissioned you to go out. Well, I don't know everything. Dude, we could argue Stephen is the most important person in the Bible. He's just waiting tables. I have a lot of scripture that I'm not going to use just for time's sake. I'm going to skip to Acts chapter 11, verse 19. Forgive me, Andrew, over on the computer. Acts 11, verse 19 through 20. Verse 19. Now those who had been scattered as a result of the persecution. Who? (laughs) We don't know. All through Acts. Now this guy and that guy and these people. Now all who had been scattered, who was it? It doesn't matter. All who had been scattered. People you've never heard of. You won't know this side of heaven who did it. There were so many in the boat that caused all of this to happen. You thought it was just 12. Man, God said, I am working through my people. Listen, God took 12 to him most personally and most tightly. And he called you to go and make disciples just as he made disciples. And he made a lot of disciples. He had 70, had a whole group. But then he took 12 of them and said, you're apostles. And they followed him everywhere. Jesus is going to take 12 And then you're like, I'm going to go save a city. No, you're not. You'll save the people whose mother you served. You know what I'm saying? The people who care about your opinion, have a reason to listen to what you say. Those are the ones that you'll bring in. And that's good because look around. If everybody catches two. Heck, if everybody catches one. I can't take you all the way, brother, but I can take you as far as I am. Let's do it together. Come on, sister, I know this much, and I'll teach you that, and we'll learn the rest together. Verse 20, but there were some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch, and, ooh, ooh, this is big, and began speaking to the Greeks also. That's you. That's non-Jews. This is, there's two places where we see an introduction of the Bible to Greeks, and this is one of them, and we don't even have a clue. Without this, you're not here, unless you're a Jew. Jacob, you. He's excluded. Everybody else is in this, okay? This is where you come in. Who's the most important in the New Testament to you? Some of them, verse 20. (laughs) But there were some of them. And began speaking to the Greeks, also proclaiming the good news about the Lord Jesus. Those who had been scattered, some of them. 
We have no idea who it is. Why are you here? Someone took the time for you. Someone is the most important person in the room. And God has called you to do that. And listen, this is not your motivational speech. I'm not just saying, oh, the power of one and you can do it and other cliche sayings. And those are all good sayings and I use some of those. But I am telling you that literally the Bible says that your God made you with a purpose. Well, I just don't know what my purpose is. (laughs) Then let me tell you. There's two things in the Bible. There's one is a great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. That is the great commandment. And then you have the great commission, which says, Go therefore into all the world, preaching, teaching, baptizing, in the name of Jesus. Okay? This is what you are commissioned to do. So you might ask, how do you want me to do it? Where do you want me to do it? But there are some things you don't have to ask, and what is one of those? What? Love the Lord, love people, and go get them. Fill the boat. That's what you are created to do. We can talk about the where and the why and all that stuff later, but let me help you out. Oh, no, not why. Because, because we have a God who's worth serving. And because we want our friends, because we have love in our heart to spend eternity with Him. But the where, how about start with where you are. And if He gives you another assignment, He'll make that real clear. I want the worship team to go ahead and come up. You are today, or you will be, the most important person in the room to someone. It's not me. It's not Pastor Dusty. It's not Raheem up here with his great announcement skills. Someone took the time to love you. And God is calling you to take the time to love someone else. Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship. Who's his workmanship? Everybody raise your hand. You. For we are his workmanship. You are his workmanship. The Greek word for workmanship is poema. That's where we get our word poem. For you are his poem. You're handcrafted. You even rhyme a little bit. For some of you, that's the only rhythm you've got. His, your God's poem. Okay? That was a joke. Y'all didn't think it was funny? Okay. You are his workmanship, his craftsmanship, his handiwork, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. God did not make Gary. God did not make Ambrose. God did not make Kathy and go, ah, I don't really have anything for her. I don't know what I'm going to do. God, outside of time, looked into time and saw a family, a place, and a time. And he said, I'm going to make myself a liana to put right here because that's what they will need. You are literally handcrafted to do what God has put you here to do. So we can't say, I'm not good enough. You are literally the tool for the job. Church, you are literally the tool for the job. And if you think that you are an insignificant tool, if you think that you are not good enough for something, that means you haven't been doing the right job. I have tried my best to drive a nail with a screwdriver. It doesn't work well. It doesn't mean it's not a good tool. It means I was using it for the wrong job. 
You are the most important person in this room to someone. And if not, get your butt in the boat and go be the most important person in the room to somebody. The most important person in this room to somebody is the one going, here's my hand. And it takes a minute and you will get betrayed and you will have people just try to pull you out of the boat and say, no, we're swimming today. But you'll win some. And it will make it all worth it. Preacher, I don't have my life together. I can't do this. I can't. I can't. I'm not ready yet. Okay. I want you to do four things for me. <laughs> I want you to go home and I want you to read your Bible. Feel free to write this down on your connection card. I want you to read your Bible. I want you to pray. I want you to go to church. Look, you're already, you're already halfway there nearly. And I want you to be the church. Well, how long do I have to do that before I, listen, when I'm walking on the path, I can get somebody to walk along with me however far along I am. Read your Bible, pray, go to church, be the church, and get someone to do it with you, and you will be the most important person in that person's life. Because I need you to understand that there are 28 chapters in the book of Acts, and we're not writing any more Scripture, but we're living more Scripture. I need you to understand that you are in Acts chapter 2023. And it is still going, and you are, the still, you are still the ones, and the roll call is not done. Some of y'all didn't get that because we did the whole roll call thing before this started. Okay, let's do it. Hallelujah. Ha, ha, hallelujah. Roll call. Now hold on, hold on. Let's do it. Let's do it. Where's Jennifer? Where's Jennifer? Stand up, Jennifer. Okay. I'm going to start over because y'all are not pumped up with me. Hallelujah. Ha, ha, hallelujah. Roll call. Her name is Jennifer. She didn't always follow till her life started seeming a little hollow. She came to church and brought her son. Now, Dusty's got that boy on the drums. Huh? How about that? Yeah. Yeah. I wrote another one just in case you clapped. Okay. Royce. Where's Royce? Stand up, my friend. Stand up, Royce. Okay. His name is Royce. His life was always fine. <laughs> but his friend invited him to church all the time. He got saved and purpose came his way. Now he'll baptize three in the jail today. Yeah. Yeah. The dude's been a Christian for three weeks. He invited me to help him out at the jail the other day. I had to preach for two straight hours while he baptized 17 people. Come on, Carla, stand up. All right. Her name is Carla. She served a little time. She was Dusty's drug dealer once upon a time. <laughs> she started following what Jesus said to do. Now she's clean and helping others get through. What about you? 
wherever you are, whatever you've got going, God said, reach down and pull somebody out. Well, I don't have a big circle. Good. You can focus on one person. In a room full of 100 people, I'm going to talk to all 100 of them. I'm crazy like that. I need Dusty to talk to one person. I need you to grab one person. Be the most important person in somebody's life. I'm unqualified. We're all unqualified. That's why we need Jesus. If you're qualified to do something without Jesus, then you got a different complex. It's called Messiahship, and there's only one who had that. That's a whole different ship. Everyone's unqualified. Everyone's made mistakes. They spread the gospel through the jail. They still do it in the jail. Some of you have been there, and that's where you met Jesus. Paul wrote half of his books from jail. It does not matter where you are. You can reach down and pull somebody. You can start by inviting them to church. You can say, I'm reading this. You say, it's weird. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do this. Let me give you a little hint. You start reading your Bible. You find something good. You send five verses in a text message to somebody. Say, read this and tell me what you think about it. Boom, you've got yourself a Bible study. It happened organically. It's all okay. It's not weird. Well, I sent it to him, but I really don't know what it means. I don't know what half of it means either. I have to study all week, man. It's okay. God has called you. He's given you a purpose. Acts chapter 20, 23 is going on, and it just said, and some believers. Where will they go? Well, to your job, to your house, to your family, to your friends, to your school, to your team. Whoa, hello. I want to meet whoever this represents today. To your friends, that's where you'll go. Do not ask yourself, what is my purpose in life? God made it super clear. Spread the gospel. Love the Lord first. You have a relationship first. Wherever you are on that path, you begin to bring someone with you. Let's pray. Lord, I pray. Lord, I can't commission these people because you already have, God. I'm just so thankful to be part of it. God, I pray that we will go out this week and we will, we will invite Father. I pray, and church, look at me as we're, as we're praying. Just, I, I just feel like doing this. I'm praying for you that God is going to put the ball on the tee, so to speak, for you to hit it. You're going to have the opportunity to invite somebody to church. You're going to have the opportunity to talk to somebody about your faith. You're going to have the opportunity to share your testimony. You're going to have the opportunity to tetanus, t- testify or even confess. And I'm going to pray that God sets that on the tee and the Holy Spirit's going to prompt you. You're going to know it when you see it. Hit the ball. It's on the tee. Don't be scared. Father, please put the ball on the tee. Father, we pray that you will set up that divine appointment and give your people the courage. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will fill them. I pray that you will fill them with your knowledge and with your wisdom, just like you did with Stephen, Father, that we would follow you, God, and that, that no one would be able to stand up against the story, against the testimony, against the wisdom of what you are filling your people with, God. I pray that we will be bold and do that. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you. We are going to be done in just a minute. The worship team is going to play one more song. And, uh, and then our volunteers are going to be spread out. And we're picking stuff up because the, uh, the, the college uses this place starting about noon. Don't let that bother you, okay? Don't let that bother you. They're not using this. You, you can hang out in here and, and visit. I'll be in here. Uh, come talk to me. 
uh, the worship team will be here. Come talk to them. We want to pray with you. So baskets are going to come forward. If you uh, tithe and tithe and offering is part of the way that we worship. So that's the appropriate place to put that. But if you have a connection card, put that in the basket. We want to know how we can pray with you, what we can do for and with you, okay? We want to walk with you in whatever season of life you're in. But also, we'll be here. i got a prayer team that I want to come and sit on the front row. And they will be here as well. We want to pray with you. You got somebody you're burdened for and you say, I know the Lord wants me to witness. I know the Lord wants me to reach. We will pray with you here. That's what we are here for. So don't let the busyness out in the foyer uh, bother you, okay? Uh, go grab your kids. But then come back and, uh, and, and we would love to pray with you. But please stand and worship with us.